with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, Chinese Premier Li Qiang addresses the World Economic Forum, highlighting China's contribution to the global economic growth. And China's 2023 economic performance exceeded expectations, with GDP increasing 5.2 percent. And now let's begin with our top story. Chinese Premier Li Qiang has delivered a speech to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, earlier this week. He told the audience that China has always been a staunch supporter of multilateralism and made proposals to achieve the goal of rebuilding trust, which goes to the theme of this year's forum. The premier also talked about China's potential for foreign investment, saying that China is open wider and wider for businesses. Our Evangelos Sipas has more from Davos. Artificial intelligence, business opportunities with China, and stronger than expected economic growth—just some of the topics Chinese Premier Li Qiang touched on in his speech before global business and political leaders at the World Economic Forum in Davos. He said the doors are expected to be even wider open for foreign investment. China's contribution to global economic growth has remained at around 30%. Last year, the Chinese economy rebounded with an estimated growth of around 5.2%, beating the 5% target set at the beginning of the year. Li also touched upon the much-anticipated theme, artificial intelligence. He compared it to a double-edged sword. On the one hand, he said it could close the gap between high and low-income economies and boost opportunity, but he warned it could bring more division. He called for more governance. China believes that technology must serve the common good of humanity. The same applies to artificial intelligence. It must be people-centered. Human beings must control the machines. AI must be guided in a direction that is conducive to the progress of humanity. So there should be a red line in AI development, a red line that mustn't be crossed. This is the most high-profile Chinese delegation to attend Davos since. 2017, and it was much anticipated by the decision makers and the global economy shapers. Evangelosipsas for CGTN from Davos. For more on this, joined us on the line now are Dr. Chu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, and also Yan Liang, professor of economics, Vidmat University. So, Yan, thank you for joining us. And what are your main takeaways from Premier Li's speech at this year's Davos meeting? Yeah, good to talk to you, Jiayang. So I thought the speech is very powerful and also persuasive.、Um, so he talked about how to rebuild trust、uh, with very specific five-point proposals. He provides also very incisive analysis of、uh, on China's economic fundamentals and also its strengths. But he also signals,、um, you know, China's determination to continue reform and to open up. So I thought, you know, there's a lot of information to unpack in his speech, and it's also very aspiring、um, in terms of, you know, how to move forward in terms of rebuilding trust,、uh, which is the main theme of this year's、uh, WEF. 
Mm. And Professor Chu actually in his speech, the premier emphasized the multilateralism. So what is the uh, true multilateralism, do you think? Well, I think multilateralism means actually you need to be on the equal footing and based on the mutual respect to interact and cooperate with multiple you know, partners, uh, no matter politically or economically. So China is a real uh, multi-lateral uh, you know, player in the whole world because, number one, um, you know, we've been treating every country, big or small, uh, with equal footings. Take a look at our you know, foreign minister's visit to uh, countries in the last stop of the new year, uh, they visited Africa countries. Actually, China is the one of the most important uh, multilateral player in the world right now, especially against the turbulence and all, you know, the full of bias international environment currently. And Professor Chu, so China's economic growth was 5.2% last year, above the country's target of 5%. So tell us more about China's participation in the global economy. I think, first of all, I think China has made a, a very good work, um, you know, of itself in last year. Uh, we have achieved more than 5.2% of the economic growth, considering our CPI number is only 0.2. So actually, we have made a pure gain of 5%. Um, against the current, uh, you know, counterparts, uh, the economy was a similar size, a major economy only made about 2% or 3% of the economic growth of last year. And many of others are even in the uh, negative zone. And even considering the uh, you know economic stars like uh, Indonesia and India, they made about six percent of the GDP growth of last year. But considering first of all their CPI numbers is much higher than China, and also secondly their GDP per capita is only one fifth or one quarter of China. And China, when we have a GDP, when we had a GDP about three thousand US dollar per capita, our GDP growth are double digital. So considering of that, I think China has made a, a hell of a job last year. And also last year was, you know, not usual because we have multiple wars happening around the world, choke point on the supply chain and the major recession on international demand in Europe and Latin America. I think against such a turbulent backdrop, I think China have really showed its resilience in the global trade and economy and also shows that Chinese domestic market are also vibrant as supporting the whole economic fundament. Mm. So, yeah, so China's economic growth was 5.2% last year. So what's the significance of this in terms of uh, China's contribution to the global economy? Right. So I agree with Professor uh, Chi Chang. I thought that this growth rate um, is very robust, right, especially against the uh, backdrop that the global growth rate is probably going to be at 3% uh, when China is growing at 5.2%. So that is a great achievement, um, you know, despite all these complex international uh, environments. And it's also domestic challenging uh, reform um, of the property sector. So against all these challenges, um, there's still a very bright growth. And not to mention, I think it's not just the quantity that matters. Um, I think the quality of the growth is more important um, because when you look at this growth, is driven by the new growth engines, so to speak. Um, this is, you know, upgraded manufacturing sector, um, and also, you know, the green economy, green infrastructure, green technology. Um, also largely supported by, you know, consumer demand growth, uh, which uh, the retail sales have shown the year annual growth uh, is over 7%. So all of these show that this growth has been um, 
high quality and more inclusive and also more sustainable. And in terms of the contribution to the global economy, you know, given the size of China's economy and given its growth rate, it has been contributing, you know, to um, 30 percent of the global growth um, in the past few years and past decades. So I think it's going to continue to drive the economy, the global economy forward um, by not only its own growth, but also by opening up to engage in trade, investment, financing, um, and business communications, technological sharing. So all of this will help to propel the global economy forward um, by not only providing you know, strong demand, but also helping to provide that stable supply chain for the global economy. Mm. So, Professor Chu, the world economy has been overshadowed by major geopolitical conflicts that we've been seeing for the past year. So how difficult is it to rebuild the trust to, you know, boost the world economy among the current global uh, backdrop? Well, I think this is very, very difficult. Um, I don't think there is a short uh, wrap up uh, for the Ukraine crisis and also for the Gaza crisis. And I think it's going to be with us for even if it's been ending, the major conflict has been ending in the uh, current uh, three to six months. But I think uh, the whole crisis will be haunting the whole region in the next uh, very, very long times. As well as we've been seeing the crisis in the Red Sea, um, it's also an extended crisis out of the Gaza Strip. And it's also it's going to be with at least for half to one year. So there, that's not an easy job to solve them. Mm. And difficult global circumstances. So, Yan, the Chinese premier made a few suggestions for the world community to rebuild the trust and uh, enhance the cooperation in the economic field. So could you elaborate more on that? Right. So um, Premier Li Qiang uh, emphasized five points. Um, so he talked about strengthening macroeconomic policy cooperations between different countries. So I think even though he didn't criticize specific countries, but it's clear that, you know, last year, uh, ECB and the Fed's uh, interest hikes um, without, you know, sort of necessary coordination in this macro policy has put many different countries, uh, has put many uh, developing countries in that distress. So I think um, to rebuild trust, first, what you need to have is really to think about your policy implications to the rest of the world and try to coordinate your macroeconomic policies. And the second point that he pointed out is we need to strengthen the international industrial specialization and try to really collaborate um, to keep the global supply chain stable um, instead of, you know, again, having the kinds of French shoring, nearshoring to keep certain countries out of the supply chain or try to cut them off the supply chain. Um, that is not going to be conducive, right, to rebuild trust. And the third point that he emphasized is international exchanges and cooperation on the science and technology. Again, I think this is a, a pretty strong criticism against this idea of de-risking, right, trying to contain another country's growth by banning technology assets. And, you know, what he emphasized here is, again, science technology can be helpful um, for the global the global community if we are able to work together and cooperate on these fronts. And the fourth point that he talked about is we need to cooperate on green development. And so that goes without saying, I think climate change is a global challenge that requires uh, you know, global solutions. If each country just put fingers at each other, that's not going to get us very far. And last but not least, um, you know, Li Qiang also emphasized North-South and South-South cooperation um, to build an inclusive world economy. So I think that goes without saying, um, if you have this kind of block confrontation and you want to build, you know, just a, 
um, you know, sort of little blocks um, to trade with each other or invest within each other without having the broader connection, the true practice of multilateralism, then it's very difficult to build trust um, because, you know, you would have that kind of a confrontational approach um, between different blocks. Mm -hmm. So those are the five important points. And I think eventually what he argued is that to review trust, we need to have the shared aspiration for a better future for humanity. So I think that is really the key message um, in his speech. Mm. And Professor Chu, so one key message from Premier Li was China continues to open up and China welcomes the foreign investment. He cited many uh, investment examples in China with return above 9%, which is very impressive given the complexity of the global market. So how do you explain that? Well, China, everybody, if you follow Chinese story in the past 40 years, you will know China is one of the fastest growing economy uh, in the whole world and created a miracle about modernization and industrialization. And I think uh, Chinese people are very humble and very clear about how we achieve that. And I think one of the most important reasons besides our own effort is we opened up our gate to the rest of the world. Internationalization and also an opening up has been, you know, doing China a great, you know, benefit. Uh, it brought us, you know, international reach, international experience, uh, global market, and uh, advanced technologies and capitals. So Chinese people are fully aware of that, and we're gonna make a commitment to continue with that, you know, endeavor. So, and I think China right now has the largest manufacturing, you know, capacity around the world. Uh, we're the world factory. So that structure decided China is gonna open up to the rest of the world continuously. Similar story happened with Germany, with South Korea, with Japan. Those countries are all uh, trade surplusers uh, because uh, they are also supplying uh, the capacity to all over the world. So uh, they've made trade surpluses uh, continuous in the past a few decades. So China have a followed a similar trend, a similar path like them as well. So it decided China will continue to uh, work uh, like a uh, work as a uh, trade trader, like a globalization participant uh, to the rest of the world. And also, if you follow Chinese policymaking, China has been granting, you know, uh, unilaterally the visa-free policies to many other countries. Um, this is unprecedented. And as well as China has been creating a much more clearer, a black and white lease for the foreign capital entry. China has released many of the uh, controls on the threshold on uh, manufacturing sectors, service sectors, as well as the capital sectors. This are all the signatures are showing Chinese government's willingness to welcome and embrace the international market and their national, uh, you know, corporations. And mm. you can count on that. Mm -hmm. So, Yan, Premier Li also has been talking about the potential for China's green development and also he talked about the red line for artificial intelligence. He said there has to be a common red line established and recognized by the stakeholders for the safe AI development. So how do you explain that and what should the international community do on the AI governance, do you think? Right. So first, I think for green development, that is really the future. Um, that is not only the new engine of growth um, for China and also for the, all the world, um, but it's also really what makes growth more sustainable. Mm. And green development, um, you know, it's very overarching strategy and under which we'll find, you know, 
development of new technologies, new infrastructure, new transportation, new energies, and also new lifestyle. So demand also plays a very significant role in that kind of green development. So I think, again, this is really the, the strategy going forward, and this is really where the growth engine is going to be. Now, AI, on the other hand, it's also a new growth engine. Uh, it's a very powerful, very potent technology. But you know, before we can really fully utilize these kinds of technology, we need to make sure, uh, like Premier uh, Yi Qiang emphasized, to make sure this technology is being well governed um, by you know uh, sound regulations and policies. And so what uh, Premier Lee warned against is kinds of camp-based division um, or confrontation in his words. In other words, we don't want to use AI um, as a weapon um, to you know confront against other countries. And we also want to make sure that any of the fruits of technologies should be shared in an inclusive manner. Um, so as he pointed out, AI should not just benefit a small group of people, um, but it should you know, benefit the overwhelming majority of mankind. Mm. And so I think what he's emphasized here are again two. One is we need to make sure that AI is being well-regulated. And second is it needs to be shared uh, in an inclusive manner. Mm, Well-regulated and shared. So we're speaking with Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Villamette University, and also Chu Qiang, Research Fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. And after a short break, we'll take a look at China's economic performance in the year 2023. Stay with us. DDI, a podcast of CGTN Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. China has released the economic figure for 2023. China's GDP grew by 5.2%, and many major sectors are in an upward trend. Industrial output grew by 4.6%, and equipment manufacturing grew even faster and registered a 6.8% rise. And meanwhile, retail sales also registered strong upward momentum, rising by 7.2%. So, Professor Chu, actually, China's 5.2% GDP growth was uh, mainly in line with the market expectations. But what does it say about, uh, you know, the overall economic landscape in China? 5.2% of the economic growth is a solid gain uh, because China has a low inflation. And also, given China is already the number two GDP in the whole world, uh, economy in the whole world, it's very, very difficult to achieve such a high-speed growth, number one, against such a turbulent background of the whole globalization. Second, you know, at such a sheer amount of, you know, size of its economy, because everybody knows when your economy is in a small size, it's easy to grow at a faster speed, a faster speed. But when your economy is really large, like European Union, like in America, Usually, it's very, very hard to grow uh, like you know as fast as before because when your GDP is like you know one uh, like one hundred million US dollar, it's easy to grow like one percent. It's just one million, right? But if your GDP size is one trillion US dollar, 
and considering each one percent of the GDP growth will be much harder than a smaller economy. So China has made it, especially against such a, such a hard time of the globalization. Mm -hmm. um, so it shows that Chinese economy is resilient. Mm -hmm. Because uh, last year China has really made a very successful, uh, you know, gear shifting. Everybody are talking about China's new uh, export tra uh, trail, uh, EV, you know, electric power uh, equipment, as well as the solar panels and uh, and windmills and etc. And also China has expo uh, ex exporting the digital devices, uh, something uh, you know with high tech. So this showed China's, you know, uh, China has right now been seizing certain of the commanding height in the in the world economy as well as in the uh, uh, export. And also China, I think the reason why it's resilient its economy is not only about its export and they've been successful managing to climb up the value chain in the technology, but also I think China's been showing domestic market uh, is vibrant. Since China's reopening uh, from the pandemic, many sectors have been showing vitalities, for example, in tourism. Uh, everybody are talking about, you know, tourism in China. Mm. Uh, many hot cities, hot words are getting trending from the Zibo to Shangsha to Chongqing, and now it's Harbin. It's not only been hot in China, but also have been trending words uh, in, in you know, international uh, social media. And uh, retailing businesses are coming back as well. I paid many visits to the uh, shopping malls, wholesale market, and the retailing markets. I talked to the shopkeepers by myself. Uh, they've been telling me that the business is back. They've been higher hands. Um, there are more orders coming in, especially as approaching the uh, uh, spring festival. So I think the climate and sentiment of the economy domestically is absolutely getting warmer. And if you can read from the Statistic Bureau's number, uh, both of the CPI, both of the uh, job uh, numbers are getting better and better in the Q4. Um, so I think the sign is good and Chinese economy is still uh, stably gaining momentum. Mm, so, yeah. So what do you think about China's economy? And uh, despite the challenges posed by a complex external environment, how can China's manufacturing sector sustain its growth while climbing the uh, global value chain? Right. So I think I agree with what uh, Professor Chi mentioned earlier. I think what is really important is not only the relatively high speed of growth compared to the rest of the world, but really in terms of the new growth engine. So the real estate sector is no longer really what drives economic forward, but rather the advanced manufacturing, uh, like what he mentioned, uh, digital devices or wind turbines or solar panels or new energy vehicles and lithium ion batteries. All of these are very high value added and advanced uh, kinds of manufacturing. So to answer your question, when we look at the numbers, um, you know, last year, the industrial value added has grown by 4.6%. And that is largely, you know, due to some upgrading in the supply chain. Um, and that, again, thanks to a lot of high tech sector investments. Uh, when you look at the investment numbers um, for the high tech sector, um, it has gone up, you know, way more than um, other uh, the general, uh, the, the overall investment growth. So I think that's a sign. Uh, the high-tech growth uh, investment actually rose by 10.3% uh, when we have the total investment increased by 3%. So what that shows is that, you know, with all these investments, with all these financing that goes from the real estate sector, but now going into the manufacturing sector, we're going to see a, re 
uh, a continued growth um, with you know the manufacturing sector, and the demand side also is very robust. It comes from both internal markets, right? So um, you know Chinese uh, consumers love to drive uh, new energy vehicles, and there's also growing um, external demand um, for China's high quality, low cost uh, vehicles, especially in you know Southeast Asia, Australia, um, and in EU. So you know, China is able to continue to invest in R&D, in advanced manufacturing, and leverage on its decades of manufacturing capacity and continue to upgrade its value chain and also increase the investments, increase the internal and external demand. So all of these are really important ingredients um, for the sectors continue to grow and continue to upgrade. Mm. So yeah, China is now paying much attention to the uh, you know digital economy, green economy development. So how do you think can China effectively support and promote technological innovation in some key areas? Right. So I think it takes at least three very important uh, factors. For one is we need to have the continued active role of the government. So the central government has been providing finance, right, the guided investment funds to go into, for example, semiconductor sector to continue to boost the investment, research, development and manufacturing of these high tech products. And second, I think what is important is to really to have the competitive environment and to have the kinds of entrepreneurship that continue to innovate. So in China, for example, um, the EV industry is very competitive. There's so many businesses are competing and innovating and promoting, you know, 107 models of EVs in China, you know, ranging from the low cost, low level to the high cost, high end kinds of vehicles. So these kinds of entrepreneurship and the innovation uh, are really important. And finally, of course, we need to have a very large market uh, with consumers that are eager to embrace these new technologies, new products. And so I think all of these are very important. And that's also you know, why China's technological innovations, advanced manufacturing, um, and all of these new growth engines have been growing so rapidly. Mm. And yeah, so what are some of the new consumption trends do you see for this year? Right. So what I'm seeing is um, there has been really significant growth in consumption of services. Uh, when you look at the retail goods consumption, um, it has grown by 7.2% in 2023. But when you look at the retail sales of services, that has grew by 20%. So more mm -hmm. than double the increase um, in the uh, retail sales of goods. So what that means is, you know, people really enjoy healthcare, enjoy tourism, uh, as Professor Chu mentioned, um, they enjoy entertainment, education, and so on and so forth. So I think this um, service sector is really um, full of potential and we still have a lot of potential to invest in the sector. Mm. So there is a lot of potential for this year's economic development, right? So we're speaking with Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Villamette University, Chu Qiang, Research Fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. 